0: What it is and what's up, y'all? It's your boy Trav, AKA Jiggy Rico, back on the mic yet again. Which means you are tuning into another episode of NOLA Reservations, where we talk with dope people doing dope shit in the New Orleans entrepreneurial space, as well as how we all can rebuild our communities and support Black and minority founders in the process. Before we begin, as always, please be sure to follow our blog on Medium, at NOLA Reservations, and check out that recap of my last conversation with the Victoria Adams Phipps. The link will be in the description. We got a great episode for y'all today, so sit back, relax, get comfy, and enjoy the show it's hell on earth and the city's on fire in hell in hell there's heaven there's a bull and a matador dueling in the sky in hell in hell there's heaven announcement alert, NOLA Reservations is about to undergo some serious rebranding. Now I can't say too much but what I will say is that all of us over here have been reassessing the impact of this project and we feel that a repositioning is in order just so that we're being intentional about reframing things to better articulate what we're trying to accomplish. We see real opportunity to dive deeply in our content and we want this platform to be a space where we do this in the most effective way possible. So be on the lookout for some major changes coming to the show soon. But for now, let's get back to business. Once again, if you can believe it, we are back at Mr. Wolf Espresso, and I am happy to announce that Mr. Wolf is officially a partner of the NOLA Reservations family. That's right, everybody. From here on out, Mr. Wolf is the place to be for all of our conversations with all of our guests. Big ups to the homie Wayne for showing so much love and support as we've taken off with the show. And we are hype as fuck to keep the good times rolling with our convos being hosted at this illustrious establishment. We appreciate you, bro. We have an awesome guest joining us today, y'all. He's one of the people that helped me get started with a career rooted in entrepreneurship. He gives dope book and restaurant recommendations. And he is a fellow Blue Devil, hailing all the way from the Midwest. Please, everybody, help me welcome my main man, Mr. Jacob Robinson. Thank you for joining us today, homie. You're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. For sure, man, you want to give a quick introduction of yourself to the people?
1: Absolutely. Jacob Robinson from Columbus, Ohio. This is my sixth year in New Orleans. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into this, but started my career after college here. Went home for a bit, came back down, couldn't
0: shake New Orleans. I'm glad to be back, but um, happy to be here, man. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much, man. Now, uh, (laughs) this would not be a NOLA Reservations podcast without a little refreshment courtesy of our sponsor. So uh, if you wouldn't mind tossing me your drink over there. Shout out to the good people of uh, Exclave Spirits. Huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, believe you me, I have my little sponsorship speech kind of baked into this already. <laughs> they know what it is. That is for you, good sir. Appreciate it. Of course. Of course. So, uh, in case all of you uh, fine listeners out there have forgotten, uh, Nola Reservations is proudly sponsored by Exclave Spirits. And we are so happy again that they are now being joined by the squad at Mr. Wolf. Thank you both for the libations and for the good vibes. With that, we'll raise a toast to good convos, good friends, good memories. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for the hospitality. Always, man, you know how we get down over here, man. <laughs> Or if you don't, you will learn very soon. (laughs) All right, well, why don't we get right into it? Um, Firstly, uh, can you tell us about what it is that you do now? But more importantly, what led you to do the work that you are doing now in this moment?
1: Well, I mean, I'm a salesperson turned educator. I started my career here in New Orleans at different early stage startups. I was always in sales, account management, um, had an aha moment, which I'm sure we'll get into, uh, where I wanted to explore more mission-driven work. I, you know, today that's manifesting with my gig at Skills Academy. Our mission is to find, train, and place individuals from underrepresented backgrounds in jobs on the business side of tech. Uh, to break both of those things down, when we're talking about underrepresented. If we walk around, most tech companies, most people identify as white males with four-year college degrees. We believe that there's plenty of people in New Orleans and across the country who actually have skills uh, that make them really strong people to go into the business side of tech, whether that's customer success or sales. Hmm. And so we want to help individuals who might not identify as a white male, who might not have a four-year college degree. And prove that you know those identity markers aren't necessarily um, what's required uh, to get a job in tech. And as we might know, we look at job descriptions quite often. Uh, people, there's a four-year college degree requirement on top of it. Yep. So happy to get into why we, you know, how we got into the business. You know, what problems we're looking to solve. But uh, that's what I do
0: from nine to five. Gotcha. <laughs> so. You said you started out as a salesman and you're turned educator. What uh, inspired that pivot? Absolutely. So
1: I've loved working in startups. I think that the opportunity to build every day, to fly the plane while we're building it, the camaraderie of being on a team, it's priceless. I mean, I can't imagine really working in like a different environment. I guess it's, you know, ruined me in that way. (laughs) Um, But I had a moment at the second gig that I was at. And it had nothing to do with the company that I was working at. It had everything to do with my motivations. Um, I was looking for a way to get involved in New Orleans. Had a buddy that I was uh, hooping with, and he told me about Son of a Saint, local nonprofit here in New Orleans. Love Son of a Saint. Shout out, shout out. <laughs> and um, ended up becoming a mentor through Son of a Saint. Um, and I really found myself like pouring my energy into being a mentor Um, Through son of a saint and for those who are listening who don't know about the great organization Son of a saint is a nonprofit that provides mentorship to young men who have lost their dads To death or imprisonment. And so I found out about this work. I um, Had three mentees two middle schoolers one in high school, and I really just poured myself into it um, Because outside of work like this was something that I could really invest in And I would spend one weekend with my middle schoolers, one weekend with my high schooler. I'll never forget that I was driving my high schooler around and um, I asked him like, hey man, what you want to be when you grow up? You know, what you want your college major to be? And he told me, I want to sell my art in the French Quarter and I want to open a tattoo parlor. Wow. And he's 17, a junior. And I was like immediately into that because I'm entrepreneurial. And I was like, my guy's thinking about being a business owner. And right. he's 17. He's also a phenomenal artist. But I asked him, what do you think about graphic design? What do you think about UI UX? Yeah. And he kind of knew what I was talking about, but not enough to know that that's not what he wanted to do. And so I just was kind of picking at it with him. And I, I really realized that it was about exposure. And I started asking, you know, different friends in New Orleans who work in education. I started telling them about that conversation and they were like, oh, like you're talking about career pathways. Yeah. You're talking about workforce development. That was like in the back of my mind as like something that I wanted to step into. That's one baby step towards the direction of how I ended up at Skills Academy today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chapter in between, which we're familiar with. That's how yep. we connected and, yes, and, and happy to get into that. <laughs> um, but it was that aha moment with my mentee driving in the East and just asking him,
0: What do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, we can go in a lot of different directions, but the thing that kind of stood out to me the most about that is there's clearly some sort of gap, right? where this artistic mentee of yours had a vision, but so many different directions to go in and not a clear understanding of what each of those directions look like. Why within this realm of education, people don't know about this. People don't know that this is something to pursue. Do you think that that's limiting? Where do you think those limitations started? Yep. I mean,
1: the first step is awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we can all think about times where someone introduced us to a topic and if it was a topic that we could possibly professionally explore, right, whether that seed was planted in middle school, in high school, in college, we had the space to explore it once we were aware that it existed. And, you know, kind of giving a preview to, you know, my work at Skills Academy, we've held focus groups. With um, people who we believe might be in our target demographic, Mm. and we've said things like, "When I say technology, what comes to mind?" They didn't have the same understanding of technology that I have, that you have. It's it's ambiguous. People said things like hardware, the kiosks at Walmart.
0: A few people said Facebook, but like nobody said Lucid, Level Set, right? And these are local. Like these are the organizations doing the work in their cities, in their city. And so I think that people, one, aren't necessarily aware of like what the technology industry is. Mm. And that's like an awareness issue. You mentioned that uh, the community can solve for this issue of awareness. What role do you feel like the community serves in contributing to the solution?
1: I think that for the general public, we have free events in the city that we have to make sure get out to all audiences. For example, NOE. Happened a couple of weeks ago.
0: Mm-hmm. New Orleans Entrepreneurship Week, by the way.
1: Like who? We have to ask the question of like who's that marketed to? Um, I went one day. And like the session I was in was probably um, I was there for one session, so this is not a critique of Noe. Shout out Noe, <laughs> but like the session that I was in was probably like a third of the way full, mm-hmm. a fourth of the way full. Mm-hmm. So like, how could we fill that up with like high school students? Or I mean, a lot of us, right? When we think about education, we think about K twelve, but like, what about their parents? How do we get a community of people who might not know about technology present at an event like Noe? And it's not just Noe, like. As a technology community, like we need to be in high schools, mm. um, and there are programs that are creating content and programming in high schools. But like you know, I, I'm sure I've never worked in the Bay or worked in New York City, but I'm sure that there might be a larger awareness of like what the technology industry is, yeah, and the fact that like that's the Facebook building, and like yeah, Facebook, everybody knows it. But I think as a community. Everybody knows when the Final Four is here. Wow, great point. Like, everybody knows when French Quarter Fest great is happening. Great point. Wow, that's, so how that's do facts. We, like, if there's an event happening this weekend, everybody who lives here knows about it. So like, as a community, as a technology industry and community here, like, how do we increase awareness? about the fact that we're even existing here. And that's upon all of us to be involved in the community and for there to be programs um, to raise awareness. So that's a big that's a big challenge, but yeah. it starts with awareness. And then after we have awareness, then we can create pathways.
0: Yep. Wow, man. No, that's for, for such a community-based city like New Orleans, Like that's such a good point. I have found out about so many things, whether they're local events, or specials at different restaurants or local art markets that pop up is all from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So it does, it raises um, an interesting thought about, you know, it's very easy to find out about those things when it's for pleasure and when it's for fun, when it's all about, you know, just keeping the good times rolling, as opposed to like, well, what about when I'm trying to advance my career? Mm-hmm. What if I'm trying to like expand my horizons and whatever that means for you? You know, I talked in the last podcast, in the last episode with um, Victoria Adams Phipps, mm-hmm. who did a lot of work in um, economic and workforce development, oh, sure. and the same, those same gaps are occurring in a very, very different way. And so what I'm learning in these conversations is that it's the same problem kind of with a different pair of glasses on, mm-hmm. and I'm also learning that there is no cure-all. You know, there is no, like, if we do this in this way for this thing, it'll also solve it in the same way. So how how do we respond to each of those different changes? How do we each keep putting on different pairs of glasses so that way we can approach solutions as they are to be prescribed instead of doing a one size fits all?
1: I think that when it comes to inclusion work, because what we're really talking about is inclusion here. Like is the New Orleans technology industry inclusive of the people who work here? Yeah. Um, I worked at a nonprofit after um, I worked at the two startups here locally, and yep. they had this idea that like our organization should represent the city that it exists in, or that our um, programming should represent the demographics of the United States. About 50% of the country identifies as female-identifying, other half male-identifying. I know there's people who identify in other ways, but we're about 50-50. So why is my organization not 50-50 I see. or anywhere close? And so as a technology industry, as individual companies, we need to ask ourselves if we actually want that to be the case. And so once we str- set goals towards the individuals or the types of individuals we want to be on our team, how do we make sure that they feel included how do we feel, how do we make sure that our response to them working at our organizations is equitable? You need something different at work than I need different at work, but in order for us all to reach a shared goal, how do I make sure you have what you have, need, and that I have what I need? So if we're really talking about like diversity, equity, and inclusion, not just like diversifying the room, but making sure they feel a part of the room. Seat at the the table is is
0: what Victoria uh, termed last week, yeah. No doubt.
1: And then also the resources to be their best self. So, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we're on our way. We're having these conversations. We're having these conversations at events like New Orleans Entrepreneurship Week, at Skills Academy. We're having these conversations with employers. Yeah. This is what we do. This is what we're challenged to solve or to make a dent in. Um, But it's, I mean, in many ways, like, we're at the beginning of the conversation.
0: You have a very specific perspective of what that looks like in New Orleans, right, as somebody who started their entrepreneurial career here and then went to a bunch of other places and have ended up back here. I'm interested to, you know, in your experiences, how have things changed when you first came here at the start of your journey, now you're in a completely different place how have your thoughts changed? What mm-hmm. things have you seen that have molded your perspectives? Can you walk us through kind of like each of those stages where you are like, oh, I realize that I feel differently about this now. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I'm going to do this.
1: Sure. I mean, I think um, just to comment on like the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. Like when I first got down here in 2014, we were like over the, the Katrina hump. So, like after Katrina, there were so many opportunities for creation, positive and negative. But as an entrepreneurial ecosystem, we were beyond like the infancy stage. So, like companies were scaling. And I left, and now that I've come back, I mean, I've come back into a time where Level Set and Lucid have been acquired. And I remember having buddies that worked at Level Set.
0: Yep. Still have
1: buddies that work at Lucid. No doubt, both. Yeah. But I remember back when Level Set was Zealene, going to their house up on Britannia, and there were like twenty people who worked in a house. And like now they've sold the company for yeah. five hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So I think like um, that's like the entrepreneurial ecosystem how I've seen it change. As far as like me personally, like I mean I came down here learning how to like be a professional, and I view myself as a startup leader now at my own particular startup.
0: You're employee number one, right? I am.
1: True, true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I just think like, you know, back in 2014, I'm like 22 here in New Orleans and like learning to be a professional at the same time as um, working at a startup for the first time, that's like two hard things to do for somebody fresh out of college. But I guess like one point that I'd love to make is like for anyone who's starting out on their entrepreneurial journey, you don't have to start something. The journey that I've been on InnerLab, the first startup I worked at, and Mobile Cubes, the second startup I worked at, jumping to a nonprofit, Venture for America, and now at Skills Academy. Every step on that journey has led to Skills Academy, and like, you didn't even know it. And I didn't even know it. Like that's God's plan. And there were so many highs and lows on that journey, professionally, personally, financially. I didn't know that I was zigging and zagging towards Skills Academy, and like Skills Academy is another zig. <laughs> um, but I just think that so many people, when we think entrepreneurship, we think about, I started this. This is yeah. my idea and yeah. I'm the boss. But there's so much power in finding other smart people and being like, yo, that's a dope idea. I'm about to help make that possible. Yeah,
0: I want a hand in this.
1: I want a hand in that. And to like be employee number one is an honor. And like the fact that someone tapped me to be employee number one is an honor. And um, I just like sometimes like sit back and I laugh at myself for the way that I can show up at work and make an impact as a leader on my team based on like the lessons that I had from Dinner Lab and Mobile Cubes and Venture for America, all groups of people that I love. Some of the businesses and organizations are still going, some of them aren't. You know, I transitioned from those organizations for very different reasons. Yeah. Um, But it's just so cool to be able to apply it as a startup leader and to still feel like I'm on my entrepreneurial journey, even though I personally have not taken the leap and, like, started my own venture. Yeah. I just want to encourage others that, like, there's a pathway to being employee number one or there's a pathway
0: to being the marketing lead at a startup or, like, the sales lead and just... Yeah, you're building something. You mm-hmm. have a direct impact in that. Like, you are you can say with your hands open, this is what I've created. And I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, in this journey so far, I've worked at, say all ed tech companies, mm-hmm. I have this idea that is not in education or in technology. And in this journey, I've learned that there are a million and one pathways between point A and point B, and among them include the most desirable path, say so mm-hmm. the path of least resistance, sure. perhaps the worst possible path <laughs> to get from point A to point B, Happens and the path that I'm on. And then the a million and one of them in between. Sure. You know, from an optimistic perspective, I have expressed that I'd love to believe that the path that I'm on is the most desirable path, the path I was meant to take, air quote, air quote, if you can't hear that in my voice. <laughs> and that's optimistic to believe that the proof of that is just, well, since this is the life I'm living, this is the life that like I'm meant to live, right? And sure, we can be positive. But I do think, and what I've also learned is, like, the path that we're on is the one that's most viable. It's the one that we have sketched out for ourselves based off of reactions and responses to other things. With that, you know, you mentioned that you you didn't see yourself doing anything like what you're doing now at Skills Academy. Do you believe that this is you know, I'm not going to say where the path ends, but do you think that this is exactly what you ought to be doing now? And do you see it expanding? Do you Mm -hmm. see it going further? And if so, like, can you give us an insight on that vision?
1: No doubt. I think one lesson that I've learned uh, really over the last four years is to be content, but to have a plan. Mm -hmm. And I share that because um, when I left New Orleans... I was heartbroken. Aw. <laughs> I cried. <laughs> I mean, we all know New Orleans is like, it's a special place.
0: And Talk about that. Why is New Orleans so special for the, for the
1: people? <laughs> do you, I mean, do you want me to go there or do you want me to answer your first question? Nah, nah,
0: I'm just, it was, it was a joke. Yeah.
1: It's a special place. And like, I went home, like I just got to be real. Like I went home, I was in my mom and dad's basement. Shout out to mom and dad. You know, I felt like I was a failure because like my professional trajectory in New Orleans didn't zig and zag the way that I thought it was going to. And I share all of that because it kind of gets back to what like I was saying earlier, like without going home and working in the nonprofit sphere um, and, and learning the lessons personally that I learned while I was home for two and a half years, I don't think professionally I'd be prepared for this moment. And I don't think personally I would be prepared for this moment. And I think it really gets into like one's holistic self. I'm not just Jacob Robinson, Skills Academy employee. I'm also what I'm doing outside of Skills Academy. And I think that the lessons that I learned at home, which I'm happy to get into because I think it really like humanizes like what this entrepreneurial journey can be about. All of that has prepared me like for the moment that I'm in. And not only was I heartbroken when I left, but I was so salty and not content when I was home. That, like, I missed out on some of my blessings while I was there. Mm. And so I, I just think that we must remain content, but that's not about being stagnant. It's like, I am where I am, but I got a plan. And, like, that inspires me with the highs and the lows of the entrepreneurial journey to move north because I didn't think I was going to end up here. I think this is my dream job. Yeah. Right? Like, I love sales. If I could sell all day... I remember day. you've
0: told me that. You've said that several times. <laughs> if
1: I could sell every day, all day, and like just connect with my customer and solve problems for them, and also get paid commission, like what a sweet gig. But the fact that I can have one foot in sales and then also train other people to get a job in sales, what else do I want? <laughs> you know, I've got a foot in the education sphere, being able to create opportunities for myself and others and a, a foot in the sales and the tech sphere, which is, you know, where I've, my entire career has been. So uh, be content but have, have a plan.
0: Word, man. I appreciate that nugget. I do want to kind of get into some of those lessons, particularly, you know, this is a conversation also to allow for aspiring entrepreneurs to have a blueprint to follow, mm. and to learn from the benefit of the experiences of our guests. So I... I'd, I'm personally, and I'm sure the people would really love to know about what some of those like, lessons were, what some of those nuggets, what some of those like, experiences were that really defined, like this is going to shape me and my mission and what it is that I want to accomplish.
1: Sure. I mean, when I think about my Columbus chapter, um, I think the two lessons that I started to address or explore while I was there were wellness and relationships. Um, when I think about wellness, and make sure we come back to relationships. Yep. You know, when I when I think about wellness, I think uh, it's not just about like work life balance.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I'm talking about physical wellness. I'm talking about spiritual wellness. I'm talking about financial wellness. there's a whole lot of ways we can chat that mental. And as I'm sitting in my like parents' basement, <laughs> you know, like at a low point for me in my journey, and it was a low valley, right? And I'm like well what do i have control over i can focus on my finances yep i can focus on my physical wellness getting out of bed exercising i can focus on my physical my mental health in terms of going to the doctor going to a psychologist going to a dentist how many of us pay for health insurance dental insurance vision insurance don't take advantage of it it's one of our most expensive line items in our budget and so i had the blessing of like being at home and like being able to like recover in those areas. But I, I often have found myself professionally and personally like talking to like young aspiring entrepreneurs. And I, I start with wellness. Because I'm of the opinion, how can one manage others if they can't manage themselves? Right? Like if I don't have a routine that's like focused on my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health, my financial health, I gotta lead everybody through that from the nine to five. Yeah. And if I can't do that for myself, why do I have a right to be telling other people
0: how to do it? How to do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I just think, like, on the entrepreneurial journey, like, that gets missed. And we hear these crazy stories about founders, you know, like, really having poor wellness. Yeah. And work is important, and I love the grind. Yeah. And I love grinding with the people who I'm on a team with. But if we don't have wellness, we, not, we might not make it. Mm. And so I just appreciate like, the grace to like, be able to go home. Shout out to mom and dad, like, being able to crawl back in the basement to like, recover in those areas, because that's my foundation. Yeah. Like, I feel battle-tested that like, I can be employee number one. Why? Because like, I went home and like, I built a budget. And
0: yeah. like, I started
1: saving for a rainy day and like yeah. saving for retirement. But I also you know, started to explore my spiritual life and got a gym routine and like, connected with medical professionals like doctors, dentists, and psychologists that I was paying for anyway. So I think like, that's the foundation that like, I'd love to emphasize, that like, wellness is so important on this entrepreneurial journey. And I think we're like, so caught up in like, ideas um, and execution that like, wellness gets forgotten. Um, so that's one lesson, man, from the Columbus chapter that allowed me to boomerang back to New Orleans a bit more battle-tested.
0: Was the goal to actually come back to New Orleans? You said you were heartbroken when you left. So when that experience happened, did you know that you were going to come back here? Or was that laid on your heart at all? Oop. Was that laid on your heart at all? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I think in my mind, like I was in such a, a, a <clears> place <throat> when I left that I don't know if I was thinking that clearly. Like I mm. was anxious. I was depressed about leaving. how I viewed my situation a yeah. lack of contentment a lack of a plan but i could tell you that we love new orleans for a lot of reasons but one reason why i love new orleans is because there's an education community mm. for better or for worse there's an education industry in new orleans
0: do you talk about that a little bit
1: i mean I'm, I'm a year and a half into it but our entire school system is ran by charter schools yep yep and Teach for America, I mean, this is like one of the hottest places to come for Teach for America. Mm-hmm. And so you have people that have been in the classroom, and that was their first job. And like they've gone on to make an impact. They've made an impact in their students' lives. Some of them have become principals. Some of them have started businesses. Some of them are working at nonprofits. Some of them are working in other industries, but through a lens of education. And like if you're in New Orleans, you're going to come into contact with educators. At least in the circles that I have traveled in, um, of young professionals, especially those who are transplants. So I always, I mean, I've always been interested in education. That's like my family has worked in education. My mom's a professor, my dad's getting his PhD right now in education. I have family that's like worked and dedicated their life to education. And like that was my kitchen table. Oh, we, for sure. We weren't starting talking about, you know, law or medicine or starting businesses talking about school. So I always knew like I wanted to be an educator of some kind. I just didn't know how. Mm -hmm. So being here in New Orleans, I was like, yo, like the startup thing I'm into, but like eventually I'm gonna find a way into education. So I say all of that because I left being like, yo, like I was involved in Son of a Saint, but like my mentee who's a junior ain't even graduated yet. And I'm dipping like that's jacked up. So I knew like my business was unfinished here. And the fact that Founder of Skills Academy, Courtney Williams, who's a guy who I met through the entrepreneurial community. Mm-hmm. Shout out to relationships, another lesson from being at home. Yeah, you said you wanted to return
0: back to that, by the way. I didn't forget about it. No, <laughs> not. I mean, sometimes with the Exclave, we'd be forgetting. You know? <laughs> hey, that's <laughs> how it be. That is how it be. And then we go wherever we're going to go, you know?
1: But the fact that, like, he tapped me to come back to help him launch this in education, no brainer. I'm in the city that I love, that I started my career, that there's so many layers to peel back and to immerse myself in, and I have the opportunity to make an impact um, and to help others create opportunities for themselves. If I'm going to enjoy the music and the culture and the vibes in the city, why can't I help those people find a job? Yeah. That like they're- Giving more
0: than what we take. No doubt. So-
1: you know, I don't think I had this big master... I-, I say be content and have a plan. I was not content, and I didn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do.
1: <laughs> but um, I think that, you know, that was my mindset, that, like, my business is unfinished, and it's a blessing to be able to circle back, which I know that's God's plan.
0: Word, man. Since we just mentioned it, I don't want the thread to get lost. I do want to circle back to that notion on relationships. Sure. I mean, I've talked about it with other guests on the show... I've experienced it for myself firsthand, like, this is a city where the friends you make and the hands you shake matter. And I know that, like, the pandemic has had a really huge impact on that because our person-to-person interactions were limited. You know, relationships are pivotal in your career trajectories, in the reputations that you hold, Mm. in the partnerships that you form. So go into that if you will for me. I mean, I'm sure that the relationships that you've manifested have been beyond impactful for you in like a multitude of ways. So I'm, I'm interested in hearing some of what those ways were, what you've learned in developing those relationships and managing relationships, um, mm. different types of relationships within the same person. I think that mm. you, know, you can, as we've talked about, you can tap somebody for a lot of different things. I learned early on, though, that if you fish from the same pond and only that pond, eventually you run out of fish. I think there's a lot that entrepreneurs like myself can gain from learning about that relationship navigation, particularly any of them who are in New Orleans, that we might be able to be authentic be intentional, mm. be smart, instead of just, oh, I know this person is like kind of good for this, let me hit them up because they're low-hanging fruit or because I've already talked to them or sure, because okay. oh. of some other reason that we feel like their accessibility is one that is appropriate, even though that might be a misinterpretation. So sure. saying all that to say, yeah, tell, tell me about some of that relationship cultivation and how that's manifested in your career in New Orleans. Well, generally.
1: yeah. When I talked about the home chapter, I think there's like two buckets of relationships that I thought about. One is like non-family mm. and the other is family. And I think we should start with the non-family because that's what you asked me about. Yeah. We can circle back to the family part because I think that's like that foundation that I'm talking about. Yeah, it's about. baked in. Yeah, yeah that, that foundation that I'm talking about like along wellness and like what do we need to take care of as entrepreneurs so we can build. Um, but to answer your question about like those who fall outside of the family category, I mean, I mean, people say relationships matter. People say it's not what you know, it's who you know. There's no place where that matters more than New Orleans, Louisiana. I'll say that um, I haven't applied for a job since I was in college. I'm 30. I can't believe it's been eight years since I...
0: Graduated yeah. <laughs> I was <about> to say. <laughs> <laughs> Doing that? <bad. laughs>
1: I can't believe it's been eight years since I've graduated from college, but I've had one, two, three jobs since the first job I applied for, and I haven't applied for one since. Not a cover letter, like straight resume. And like relationships, right? How do we like translate that into like something that anybody can take advantage of? Because one privilege of our school, of the fellowship we're a part of, Venture for America, the you know, the privileges that we have is who we're in relationship with. I think that, you know, one thing that I love about New Orleans is somebody's a person away, mm-hmm. right? Like, it could be American Cantrell, It's a degree of separation, <laughs> really. <laughs> and, Andrew Albert at Exclave. Absolutely. Patrick Comer at Lucid. Like, you can find one person who knows that person. But what's key when we get access to that person is we maximize the time that we have with them i'll never forget sunken place leaving new orleans don't have a job and a mentor of mine put me onto a book called the 20-Minute Networking Meeting.
0: You've recommended, remember how I said in the beginning, good book recommendations and restaurant recommendations? (laughs) That was one of them. Yo, (laughs) I'm going to the book and then I'm
1: going to the restaurants. (laughs) Because the restaurants,
0: is a new wave that I'm on within this same topic. Oh,
1: true, true. (laughs) So 20-Minute Networking Meeting, the idea is that like, you can get 20 minutes with anybody on the planet. But when we have those 20 minutes, it's our responsibility to get what we need out of those 20. The 20-Minute Networking Meeting off- offers a five question framework. The first three questions, I'm gonna ask you something that you're uniquely qualified to answer rather than something that I could read on the internet. Right? Like there's nothing worse than like being in a podcast interview where you ask me the same thing that like the previous podcaster asked me about. Yeah. I've never been on a podcast before, but I'd make that assumption. (laughs) (laughs) But in general, right? Like if, if I'm a founder, if I'm Patrick Comer, if I'm Andrew Albert, if I'm Mayor Cantrell, and you can read it on the internet. And you wasted my time asking me about it. You didn't do your homework. and You really don't yeah, care. Yeah, you're that not qualified
0: this con- for this conversation. Sure. Yeah.
1: Or me sacrificing 20 of my minutes of my day to help you. The fourth question, after the first three that they're uniquely qualified to ask about, is can you introduce me to someone who can bike? The answer is yes or no, right? Like, sometimes I'm not comfortable giving that to you yeah. right now. And that's real. We just met <laughs> 12 minutes for ago. For 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but the fifth one. What can I do to help you? And that shatters people's world. Mm -hmm. Because most people, when they say 30 minutes, they mean an hour. So when you say, yo, 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 like this has been great. We're at 18 minutes. I want to respect your time. One last question for you. Is there anything I can do to help you? Well, now we are in relationships. I went through the 20 minute networking shout out to my mentor for putting me on some knowledge I think I promoted that book
0: more than he has <laughs> and I swear
1: if I had a referral code I'd send it out like yeah the I was
0: about to say we could just put this right on the podcast it's gold it's gold
1: like I want I want the <laughs> listeners to have it because it's helped me um but when you cut that conversation off at 20 and when you say like what can you do to help me I had people say to me you want to work here
0: Whoa, straight up. Straight
1: up. And I didn't
0: approach the meeting to find
1: That wasn't even what we came here for, right? I believe opportunities find people who seek information. Mm. Right? Like, if I want to be a podcaster, I should talk to a bunch of podcasters. So rather than asking a podcaster for my job, for a job, I should just talk to a whole bunch of podcasters and, like, learn the tricks of the trade in 20-minute segments and ask each podcaster to introduce me to another podcaster and ask each of them if there's anything I can do to help them. Elbow, elbow, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> like, I mean, I say that because, like, in a city like New Orleans, when we can get to anybody, and like that takes effort sometimes, and some of us have that privilege, and some of us don't. If we get that shot, we gotta maximize it. So, that's a 20-minute networking meeting. You can buy it off Amazon or wherever your local bookstore and it will there's much more in there that I think is time well spent, but like that's the framework. And so in New Orleans, when we do get access to people who are above our weight class, how do we hold our own? Yeah, so that we really take advantage of that time. And you know, I didn't learn that until I was in between, you know, gig number 2 and gig number 3, but I just think like moving that way in a city like New Orleans and being crisp like that, seeking
0: information, opportunities will find us. Especially in New Orleans, like it's a very magical place where you you end up where you are supposed to be. Something attracts <laughs> something else. Like it's it's I've experienced it in my relationships within opportunities. It is truly something that I haven't experienced anywhere else. Sure. And so I'm always interested in, like, how those relationships manifest. Relationships got me a consistent location for my podcast, sponsored equipment, and some drank for, for me and my guests every time that we come to have a conversation about real shit like this. All the strength. In any environment, but I would say particularly New Orleans, like, it matters, like, how you present yourself particularly if you're managing and maintaining multiple types of relationship dynamics within the same person. In this journey you know, of self-discovery and of cultural awareness, what would you have to say for other aspiring entrepreneurs who are like trying to get there, who are, I think you coined the phrase, punching above their weight class? What, how, how might they order their steps so that way they can have those seats? Mm. So that they can have a hand in how this project or in this endeavor or initiative rolls out and plays out. I've listened to a couple of the podcasts
1: and there's like a theme of like, if I'm local or if I'm a transplant, I'm a transplant. Mm. And um, I I remember talking to like a local um, New Orleanian who was like, yo, when you like live in a place, you like play by the rules of that place. Yep. Like we Saints fans out here, right? <laughs> who that? Who that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we take off work sometime in February and March mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. money ground. We go out the parades, and I say that because like one great way to just like quickly get involved and like punch above one's weight class is to like under- understand the context of the place where one is. So how dare we move to a place and start operating by different rules? Or are not learning the w- rules and trying yeah. to operate by yep, them. Yep. So, as much as we should be interacting with other transplants, we should be operating with like two locals for every transplant that we're operating with, right? To learn the game. So, I think one side is like making sure that if we're trying to be a part of the conversation, we're actually a part of the conversation. Because if we're just out here living on top of New Orleans, extracting, not engaging with those who are born here, or raised here, or have been here. Who know the context of actually how this place works what a missed opportunity I think also like you know I said i bring food back up like one new idea that like I'm trying to get on is like how do I schedule a
0: breakfast a lunch a dinner and a happy hour every Mm. week Adrian who was on the podcast earlier gave us the nugget of don't do lunch don't do dinner (laughs) do breakfast (laughs) that's what he said verbatim go back and listen to it folks that's real that's
1: real because no one knows how to cut that lunch off when you got a meeting people be trying to drink at lunch at happy hour at dinner but the reason why I bring that up is because like this is a place that's based on food it's a place that's based on social so if I'm gonna be so busy that like I'm gonna work I'm gonna focus on my wellness focus on the fam focus on other relationships I can at least like pause to not eat alone I haven't perfected this yet, but like this is like an idea that I'm chewing on to make sure that I'm being relationship oriented, not only with people who I'm trying to connect with, but people who I'm trying to reconnect with. Mm. And we ain't gotta go out to eat. You know, pull up to a coffee shop, shout out Mr. Wolf. Pull up to happy hour, shout out to Exclave Spirits. And just break bed for a moment and like connect in the city where like eating, drinking, hanging, especially at this beautiful time of year, is like one of the best parts. I think that like from the relationship side, like respecting people's time, being consistent, being out here. Like there's times where I'm just like so focused on myself and the fam and my own wellness that I forget that like there's a whole bunch of other people out here in the city. And that's why I'm saying like a breakfast, a lunch, a happy hour, a dinner every week. Adrian might be right. Like it might be all breakfast. <laughs> might be all breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so get up at seven if you're trying to talk to me, and we're not drinking.
0: And by the <laughs> way, y'all, Jacob means that shit. He will get up at seven thirty for a breakfast or for a basketball game. Like if anyone's a morning person that I've ever met in my life is this man sitting across the table from me. I
1: offered it to you. I said, I said, breakfast or happy hour. Which one do you want? You you vouch for happy that hour. That is
0: that is what Because <laughs> <laughs> I just learned, man. I ain't getting up at six. I love you and. It's all good. Nah, but I mean, but honestly, to that point, like, everyone has 24 hours in the day. Like, we all have the same amount of time to get the same, not the same amount of things done, but whatever's on our agenda to get done. If you're trying to punch above your class, like, I'm going to take the time that you give me because I have bought into this idea in this perspective that it's valuable or I believe that it's going to get me to where I need to go that means I have to wake up at 6 a.m. for that, then I, I will, that's like, but it's also a part of the grind. Like, you know, I huff and puff out of, you know, jest. But, like, it's, it's, it's what it means, too, you know? Sure. If, if we end up having these conversations at 7 o'clock in the morning, you well, let know? Let me jump in there.
1: Like, how dare we get up and do somebody else's work before we do something for ourselves? Mm. Like, I, I've had to teach myself that, like, getting up, scrambled, got to go to work. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting to work at 8 a.m., 7 a.m., staying up all night. And I ain't done anything for myself. How life is that? So, like, taking a pause in the morning, whether it's pursuing a relationship, investing in one's spirituality, making a hot breakfast, exercising, just drop to the 4 and do 10. Crunches, sit-ups, whatever you're trying to do. <laughs> Push-ups. <laughs> 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 I mean, I just, I'm just trying. Make your bed. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, uh, uh, you know, put some structure in my life to lay the foundation to be the best entrepreneur I want to be. And like so much of that has to do with how I invest in myself and how I invest in other people. It's a lot easier out here. Finding an idea, executing on it. If I have a foundation, if I can take care of myself, my wellness before I try to manage others. And if I got people out here who are willing to give me a space for a podcast, sound equipment, drinks, to support what I'm trying to do, straight off the strength. So, I'm not per- I'm not perfect at that. I do not have breakfast, lunch, dinner, happy hour scheduled yet. <laughs> still trying. We're getting there. We're getting I'm there. I'm still trying
0: to work on it, but
1: you know that's that's where I'm moving.
0: Word, man. We are running up on time, and I, in the spirit of talking about being, you know, <laughs> considerate of <laughs> other people's time. I'm vibing. You know? What you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Is this Dream Champs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, one, one consistent through line that I have in all of these conversations is asking guests about the legacy that they want to want to leave behind. Mm. The people who I bring on are, are really, in, we try to be very intentional about because we believe they have something to say because their impact is tangible. It's beyond conversations. You see it, you feel it, it influences how we do our regular every day-to-day things. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, I'm always curious to learn about what it is that people want to leave behind for themselves. When I think of Jacob Robinson, what is it that you want me to remember as a way for me to kind of better scope like how I might shape my decisions so that the legacy I want to leave behind is one that's true to the game for me. I saw something recently that said, every move you make makes you. And so what do you want to be made when it's all said and done? Whether that's your entrepreneurial journey, your career at Skills Academy, the impact that you leave on this city. What does that look like?
1: I mean, I'll steal a value from an organization, Venture for America, that we're both affiliated with. Yep. And it's, I'll create opportunities for myself and others. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this idea of like social entrepreneurship, where I can create a dollar for myself, but I can also solve a challenge for others, I think it's so powerful. And I'm not poo-pooing any ideas that are just like straight entrepreneurial and don't have like a social impact. But, you know, I, I don't want people to remember me as like the best businessman of all time. I hope that like when people think about me, they think about relationships, how I honored them, how I valued them, you know, how I helped them. And if I can start a business like our founder, Courtney Williams, has with, with Skills Academy, where like, this is a business because not only do we want to make an impact on p- other people, but we don't want to have to apply for a grant for our business to run. Like we want to make a business model yep. that's around helping people. I, I'm, I'm a millennial. Gen Z is like coming right behind us, like so many of us. Um, are like so socially minded that like every idea that we have is like not for another social networking site, but for like something that will solve an issue. Like, how do you look at COVID and grow up on COVID and like climate change and educational inequities and mass incarceration and cops killing people in the street and like not take on a problem to solve, like not take on one of those challenges, right? Like, what are we living for if we're not taking on one of those? The fact that um, so many of us, are pursuing those challenges. How do we create opportunities for ourselves and others at the same time? That's what I'm wrestling with, right? I don't have a list of like values. <laughs> right, um, that, like, are you just keep in your pocket that yeah. you
0: can just read off? What, Put it are, on my what, are the,
1: what are the things that I stand by every day? No, nah, but like, I mean, I appreciate you inviting me out here, man, because it forced me to think about ideas like that. With the organizations we're affiliated with, whether it's our work, our schools, our faith, faith-based communities. Our families, Like, how do we turn to the values that, like, those groups already have? And be like, yo, which one of those can I just steal? Yeah. Um, so that's
0: what I'm on right now, man. How can I create an opportunity for myself and somebody else? In continuing these conversations, I guess my last question would just be, who else do you think would be dope for me to bring on the show? Who do you think would be someone that I can connect with that can provide some really valuable insight into this journey that I'm on, this journey that other people are on, and and rebuilding our communities, and giving more than what we take, and all those notions that we spoke upon today. Who would you advise would be a good person to have on for a future episode?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think um, I think about transplants and locals, um, those who are male-identifying, those who are female-identifying. Sure. Um, I mean, Blake Stanfield, shout out to a fellow Blue Devil. <laughs> true, true. He's a local brother who I look up to from New Orleans, works for TrapWise, Um, has been involved with Power Moves NOLA, Mm -hmm. Um, I think would be a great guest. Um, Rose Espiritu, um, from Louisiana, HOMA, um, works at Lucid, was present at Lucid before the acquisition, after the acquisition, um, is also thinking about how to create pathways in the city to, you know, from the local community to um, tech companies. Yep. Um, She participated in Operation Spark, you know, I think those are two people who come to mind, both from the region, um, that I'd, I'd love to make an introduction to. And I think they'd definitely be down to speak to the Nola Reservation listeners.
0: Dope, dope. I'll, I'll be sure to hit you up about connecting with them, man. <laughs> um, I mean, that's it for me, man. Do you have anything that you'd like to leave the audience with? Any any last final nuggets that you want to drop or just anything that you feel like is is really good to mention that we may not have had the chance to cover yet i mean so many bombs
1: (laughs) which which one do i drop
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you got a lot in your arsenal bro no no
1: no. i mean i think um you know be content but have a plan is i think a theme from this conversation Mm -hmm. um but remember wellness Uh, i think those they support each other Um, their ideas that like I'm chewing on and I'm wrestling with everything I've said in this conversation not an expert on definitely trying to work it out if you want to talk to me about it hit me up for 20 minutes (laughs) (laughs) advice in real time everybody advice in real time no but like I need help with that as well so if you're down to chat about any of that please do but yeah man be content have a plan but remember wellness all at the same time
0: For sure, man. For sure. Well, Jacob, this has been super duper dope. I really appreciate you coming on and joining me for this episode. Thank you for all of your knowledge, for your experience, for your wisdom, for your time, your investment, and for the good vibes. It's always a pleasure, man. I can't wait for the next time for us to connect. You got it, man. Appreciate the opportunity. Definitely, man. Uh, All right, everybody. That wraps up yet another episode of NOLA Reservations. Tune in next time, where we will have another dope guest having more dope conversation about more dope shit. But in the meantime, stay blessed, stay true to the game, and we'll see you next time.